First observed in 2006, World Down Syndrome Day is celebrated annually to raise public awareness and insight into the lives of people who have Down Syndrome. Recognizing the need for global support in this endeavor, the United Nations General Assembly passed a resolution in December 2011 to officially codify March 21st as World Down Syndrome Day. Hello, I'm your host, Paul Teese, and in this episode of If When, it was my privilege to speak with three women who each have children who happen to have Down Syndrome and were kind enough to share their experiences and what they have learned as they have made this journey. Joining me today are Nicola Enoch, Chief Executive Officer of Positive About Down Syndrome, a UK-based advocacy organization, Steph Bywater, Jacob's Divisional Director, and Lara Jumangdao, Jacob's Senior Architect, Fire and Life Safety Specialist. Well, Steph, Lara, and Nicola, thank you all very much for joining me. Uh, I'm really excited about talking about this topic and a talking about people who have uh, Down syndrome as part of their life experience. And it's an honor to talk with the three of you. You all have people in your families who have Down syndrome. And so you'll be able to speak from first person experience of, you know, what that's like and, you know, hopefully dispel some myths and help people better appreciate the unique talents and capabilities that community brings to all of us and, you know, kind of help raise awareness. So uh, starting off, just thank you all so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. All right. So, Steph, let's uh, let's start off with you. You know, to start us off, can you share with our audience the importance of terminology and language when talking about Down syndrome? You know, what are the appropriate, conscientious, and loving ways to engage in this discussion? Sure. Obviously, it varies with different people. My perspective is, as a parent, I feel as if I'm still very much a newbie in the in the DS community, as, as we like to refer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what grates me, rubs me up the wrong way, so to speak, if someone approaches me and, and talks about my son Jared in this particular way. But it's probably worth saying that that doesn't translate to everyone. For example, I don't like the terminology Downs child for a number of reasons I, I I don't like the shortened version of Downs but then my personal friend her son's a little bit older mm-hmm. she she does refer to her son uh, as having Downs so that can change depending on the individual so it's always worth checking you know if in in the first instance I always take it that someone's terminology it's not necessarily coming with any malice mm-hmm. unless you know it's an obvious um term that we we don't use now and we we should definitely correct that but it tends to come from a lack of awareness so you know I don't definitely correct people on on the first time they've they've said it and certainly not in a wider audience Mm -hmm. like with any disability it's good practice and and I'd say that this is very important that we always recognize the person first Mm. so we'd never talk about a down syndrome kid it would always be a child with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. as we would, uh, you know, people with vision impairments, mm-hmm. and, and that translates to to a lot of circumstances, not just disability. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are kind of the two big ones for me. Um, the the third one is when someone comes up to me and and talks about, oh, they're always happy. Mm. That really <laughs> that really winds me up. Because they're not. <laughs> and, and, and by saying they, you know, you're putting them in a, in a pot 
mm-hmm. people um and it doesn't it doesn't personalize it so yeah i'm happy for you to tell me if my individual child has got certain traits but to to put them in that that pot together it's um, mm-hmm. that's something that i do um, pick up with people but obviously I, I try to do it in a respectful way so it, it's it doesn't come across as, as confrontational because uh, that's something that I, I I don't think it would help the, the um, awareness in, in with that individual no that's that's beautifully said and it's you know it's important to remember I mean every individual that we meet is is irreplaceable and you know non-repeatable right everybody comes with a million uh, aspects to their life that go to make up who they are, you know, and so children who happen to have Down syndrome, this is just like one aspect of a million things that go to make up who they are. And, you know, so it's important to remember they are individuals first, you know, and they're people deserving of our love and respect and, and being treated with dignity. Now, Steph and Lara, I'm going to ask each of you to share, you know, your family experiences. Uh, you're both parents of, uh, children who happen to have Down syndrome as part of their life journey. And Steph, your son, I believe, is four years old. So That's he, right. you're kind of, like you said, you're a newbie uh, here in the, uh, you know, on this journey. Can you can you tell us a little bit about li- what life is like with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our family unit, um, the, there's four of us. So Jared's got an older sister. She's just turned seven, Miller. Um, mm-hmm. They both go to the same mainstream school together. So Jarrah's just started reception in the local community school. He does have, um, so he, he does a normal school day. Um, he has one-to-one support all of the time he's there. And that's just to assist him because he, he learns in different ways. So mm-hmm. uh, children with Down syndrome are known to be more visual learners um, and he he's it takes longer for him to, to pick up parts of his education. So it, the curriculum is slightly different for him. So we've got support in terms of the local authority. We have an educational health care plan, which covers you know, the, the extra measures that needs, need to put in place to help Jared learn and, and enjoy school, obviously, the most important part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does. He, he really enjoys school. I mean, he's wiped out by Friday lunchtime they go into assembly and more often than not he's coming out and they're having to carry him because he's fast asleep mm. so he really he really gets the most out of school and and he he is the mini celebrity on the on the playground so <laughs> even the older children you know know Jared's name will high five him mm. um which sometimes makes me conscious of Miller's feelings because mm. wherever we go he tends to well, he goes and seeks out the attention Mm-hmm. And, you know, go to a pub, he'll make friends with complete strangers. And, yeah. and Miller's a little more shy, and, and so she tends to step in the background anyway. But I, I'm always that mom that says, well, actually, this is this is Jerry's sister. So mm-hmm. so I, I've, I'm really conscious of that all the time. And I don't know whether that will change, but mm-hmm. she's also his, his second mom. She's very caring. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my husband as well. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the four of us, we, we're busy ourselves we've got a small holding here mm-hmm. um so yeah we're, we're busy with animals when I'm, i work full-time for, for jacobs as a project manager mm-hmm. so that, that's life and and hectic like any other family i would have thought yeah in terms of medical requirements touch wood early years jared we had quite a few issues uh, medically uh, we feel as if we've, we've got through a 
through that phase now and generally he's a, he's a fit and healthy boy. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it really struck me, you know, kind of thinking about like Nilla's uh, experiences, right? Because Jared, it sounds like, you know, he's, he's like you said, he's, he's a bit of a celebrity and probably draws attention naturally to himself. Uh, and so, you know, your daughter being, you know, a little more shy probably needs that, a little bit of that extra attention or just kind of to make sure that she doesn't, not that she would feel resentful for him, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like just kind of balancing that dynamic and stuff. So the fact that you, you kind of franchise her to help mother him or, you know what I mean? Like she, she helps give him care. I think that's wonderful. Now, Lara, your daughter just turned 16. What has life with a teenager been like? I was listening to Steph earlier, and I actually can relate to what she was saying that, you know, Jared is sort of a celebrity on his own. Mm-hmm. And Jasmine is sort of the same way because she is courageous and she's not really shy at all. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm a mother of three. I've got an 18 year old, Jasmine is 16, and a 13 year old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, with the three kids, I sort of feel that sometimes the two other kids get really jealous as well. Mm. It's not because we play favorites, but, you know, Jasmine is friendly with everyone. And, you know, she's got, when we go home to the Philippines on vacations, she gets away with almost everything. It's not because they favor her a lot, but because she knows how to ask for things. Mm-hmm. And the you know, part of being away, probably the time to make up for the time that, you know, they haven't spent with Jasmine. Mm-hmm. But basically, on a day-to-day basis, we're really focusing quite a lot on, you know, teaching Jasmine life skills right now, because we're trying, you know, we're hoping that you know, someday soon that she'll be able to look after herself. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to start with small basics like you know, setting the table, and you know, fixing herself. You know, as soon as she wakes up in the morning, brushes her teeth, and you know, fixes her hair. And I think, you know, when we, because we started with her at a very early age, and she's already picked that up as she grows, and mm-hmm. that already became a habit for her. So, you know, as soon as she wakes up, she goes on her own, fixes herself. You don't even need to remind her to, you know, to change her clothes or anything, mm-hmm. because she's learned that from a very early age. And you're actually comparing to my other two kids, you really have to, you know, Nag at them and remind them constantly, hey, you haven't changed your clothes. I've seen that clothes the other day. I don't think you've taken a shower or so. But, uh, but for Jasmine, because, you know, she has her routine and she sticks to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any challenges with raising, you know, teenager with Down syndrome. It's, you know, it's probably the same as the experience that I've had with uh, my older daughter. Mm-hmm. But it's it's less challenging now because my older daughter helps with Jasmine quite a lot. Mm. Just like a second mom to Jasmine, I actually can't, you know, put them the two of them apart from the from their uh, the other room. And they fight, they fight a lot. Earlier this morning, I was startled because one of them was screaming and they mm. were fighting. <laughs> but yeah, but it's you know it's the normal things. They argue, they fight, but mm. you know. At the end of the day, they make up, and Monique, my eldest daughter, she actually cannot sleep without Jasmine by her side. So oh. She's the one who surrenders most of the time. Oh. <laughs> now, Lara, what are some of the biggest misconceptions people have about having a family member who has Down syndrome, and what are the realities? 
when you tell someone that you have a daughter with Down syndrome or you have a child with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. quite a lot of the reactions that I or the the response that I receive is that, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I really, you know, almost instantly, I tried to correct them. Mm-hmm. And I told them there's nothing to be sorry about, really. Mm-hmm. We're okay. We're doing fine. Jasmine has, you know, brought some changes in my life that I would never have expected. Mm-hmm. As, as Steph mentioned earlier, she's not always happy. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the misconceptions. She gets... You know, she has mood swings. She gets mad. She gets sad, really sad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just that she's sweet and she gets over it really quickly. Mm. Well, you know, and it's the thing, I mean, the beautiful thing about all children is they bring changes to our lives that we may not have planned for. But, I mean, it's the greatest adventure we'll ever be on. You know, in my opinion, it's parenthood. So, now, Steph, let me ask you... Um, you have connected uh, with uh, Nicola Enoch and her organization, Positive About Down Syndrome, and, um, and she's joining us today. And Nicola, I've got some questions for you here in a moment. But let me ask you, Steph, you know, what led you to connect with Nicola uh, and why does the organization resonate with you? Jared was a postnatal diagnosis. So what that means, we went through the normal scan procedure 12 weeks, 20 weeks, and as standard in the UK, they test for Down syndrome as well as other genetic conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were told we the terminology used, which is another another one that we're trying to get changed, they talk about it as a risk. So you've got a one in 250 in our case risk of this child having Down syndrome. We like to call it, um, in the community, we like to call it chance. Because risk, you know, the, just the nature of that that word, it's um, you know, to expect expect something terrible, and we know that it's not. Um, mm. So yeah, we we went through one in two fifty, which is kind of outside the parameters for further testing. So nothing out of the normal. Normal pregnancy was actually fine, and it was day one or two, I think, that um, the doctor, a couple of doctors came into the room, and that that day will will never leave me the feelings in that room try not to get emotional talking about it because it was if a family member had died mm. at that moment that that news was delivered mm. you know it, it was it, it doesn't matter what words were said because I don't remember the specific words it was how it was delivered which had, had such an impact and mm. that you know nothing good can come of this um you know we were expecting the worst because of how, how our doctor had told us um, and and after blood tests it took another seven days before it was confirmed which you know we went away we had a, a leaflet given to us and then it was a, a week in limbo of mm-hmm. you know trying not to google it because it's human nature too um, mm-hmm. and then you, you're just thinking of you know those preconceptions of a, of a person with down syndrome because Yes, we had uh, contact with a couple of people, but, you know, it, it's not, uh, we weren't in, in the community. So, mm. um, you know, it didn't reach out to many people at that time. Just wanted to sh- shut myself off. Mm-hmm. Um, we were due to have the, the uh, official news confirmed on, on a telephone call uh, the day after my, my husband arranged to take that, that day off work. So we were together to, to receive the news. Mm-hmm. They actually phoned me the day before. 
and we were just getting ready to go to my my husband's close friend's funeral so we're in a heightened state of um, emotion Mm. he was a coffin bearer of his good friend um so I got the phone call and and I didn't feel capable of of letting my husband know the the news Mm -hmm. so I rang our employee assistance helpline um, which fantastic you know I, I can't sing their praises enough and at that time, they articulated it so well to me that um, you need to grieve now for the child that you thought you were going to have. Mm-hmm. And um, and th- that's what I did. You know, I, I had to take the time mm-hmm. and to adjust, you know, and, and I really at that moment was reaching out. And, and I don't think I connected with positive about Down syndrome until later. But it was really trying to focus on the here and now and not thinking about the scary future. That, that got me back to where I needed to be, and and I, it never it it didn't affect my bonding with Jared mm. um, because my my wider family unit, you know, my brother-in-law, actually, you know, amazing in terms of making sure that we we celebrate the um mm. the new baby in our family mm. as the most important thing as opposed to the diagnosis. Right. Uh, so so that's what we did. Um, now positive Down syndrome. It's all about how it's delivered by the medical professions mm-hmm. and how to support those those new parents, not just mothers, parents, you know, mm-hmm. prenatal or postnatal diagnosis. And I'm sure Nick will tell us a lot more about it, but it, it's just fantastic that the the work that they do with going in and speaking to midwives and mm-hmm. sonographers and, and doctors just to make sure that so many of us have got the same story as me. Mm-hmm. And it needn't be like that, yeah. Because we're not talking about Down syndrome in the 1980s when the life expectancy was 25, I think it was. Mm. You know, it's very different now, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it's just raising awareness of how much fun a person, a child, can bring with Down syndrome into people's lives. You know, we mm-hmm. we celebrate the smallest milestones now, mm-hmm. which we would never have had if we hadn't got Jared in our life. Mm, that's beautiful and you know it's i mean it's so necessary to remove the stigma i think of so many of these kinds of conditions that children may enter the world with right and it seems to me and i may be alone in this but i don't think i am that we tend to we tend to focus too much on what people can do as opposed to who people are or what they can be or should be right we don't focus on the human being we focus on the human doing and so then you run into those kinds of scenarios where somebody's like, they're so sorry to hear that you have a child with Down syndrome, or they're so sorry to deliver this news. And it's like, you know, you're really not focusing on the right thing at all. <laughs> you're completely missing the whole story here about new life and a new baby that's coming to the world. So, so Nicola, let me, let me bring you into this, you know, what led you to create your nonprofit organization, Positive About Down Syndrome? How does it fill the gaps that other organizations may not be meeting for individuals and families? Okay, thanks, Paul. Um, Well, I think as Steph says, too many new and expectant parents are receiving these really negative experiences. Mm -hmm. Because as you say, there's so much stigma and outdated attitudes and perceptions around the condition. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, as Steph said, only you know, in our lifetimes in the sort of mid 80s, life expectancy for someone with Down syndrome was sort of in their mid 20s or so. I know certainly when I was born in the mid 60s, mm-hmm. pre cardiac surgery, 
um, life expectancy was something about fit around the age of 15. Mm. So, but I think a lot of people, and, and certainly in the UK, people, you know, in the 60s and 70s, well, certainly in the 50s and 60s, were still being institutionalized, people with Down syndrome. Mm. Um, you know, very much segregated um, mm. from mainstream society. And I think all of that sort of breeds that sort of ignorance around, you know, it's genuine ignorance and sort of fear of what is perceived as the unknown. Right. So what we're finding, you know, my son's uh, Tom is now 17 and, and I had a very similar experience to Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still get emotional about it to this day. And I've spoken about it a huge amount mm-hmm. um, because it is, you know, it, it's a life changing moment. And for a lot of parents, new parents or expectant parents, it can have very negative, very negative consequences. I mean, very briefly, you know, I pretty much rejected my son. Um, because society and certainly the medical narrative led me to believe that, you know, babies with Down syndrome are to be avoided. And, and sadly, mm-hmm. you know, in the UK, the vast majority of women, uh, when they discover their baby has Down syndrome, could, do go on to terminate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically, after several years of running a, a, a small local group, was realizing that I wasn't alone, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, social media and so on, I was in touch with hundreds of other parents. And discovering that too many people were just receiving these really outdated attitudes and the information that we were given, you know, at the time of discovering our babies um, had or may have Down syndrome. And so I launched Positive About Down syndrome really to sort of plug that gap that, you know, more often than not, obviously expecting to new parents of being counselled by medical practitioners and what parents, from my experience and most I speak with, really want to know is what's life going to look like what's the social model you know so we're often you know overwhelmed with a list of potential medical conditions our child with down syndrome may have but what does that actually look like you know will we ever go on holiday again are we going to be you know will my child have to go to a special school will we function as a family and and I think you know Lara talking about well both the other families talking about you know, the how involved their older children are with their um, child with Down syndrome. For me, you know, I had a three and a half year old daughter at the time Tom was born, Emily, and I thought, this is it, I've ruined her life by bringing this baby into the world. Mm. Um, not only our lives are going to be negatively impacted, but Emily's too. And my word, how wrong was I? <laughs> um, but that was genuine ignorance. And that was a society that mm. talks about the risk um, a medical uh, narrative, you know, in, in the UK, we do screen around Down syndrome and, and not providing uh, expectant parents with balanced information. Um, and the whole language, you know, we have this sort of defined medical norm and anything that deviates, we, you know, I remember them referring to Tom as a chromosomal abnormality, you know, or a, a disorder. Mm-hmm. And those aren't nice phrases to hear when you've just had newborn baby mm-hmm. you know and like um Steph mentioned you know the thing about I remember when he Tom was a bit older and I was starting to become a bit more protective of him and a doctor saying to me oh this is the Downs baby and I thought no he's not he's mine mm-hmm. you know don't label my child mm-hmm. by a condition actually he's Tom you know if yeah. we have to we don't need to keep calling people by their condition but really you know pads came about out of a desperate need to support um, expectant and new parents better. I, I feel passionately that parents deserve so much better 
And and really, you know, and we've just grown and grown. So we started off just providing an insight into what we call the lived experience, the social model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just showing showing photos and everyday stories about our lives, which really, you know, yes, some of us we have to adapt in certain ways, but you know, as you said, that's parenting. Parenting is a tremendous privilege, but you know, you get the rough with the smooth. And every child, you know, as I said, I've got the two children, Emily and Tom, and both give me sleepless nights and both make my heart burst with pride. <laughs> That's the way it goes, you know, and, and every child has some has, um, challenges and strengths. But yeah, PADS exists really primarily initially to support those expectant new parents. Mm. So we provide information, but we now have fantastic ongoing support. We have those Facebook groups because it's really important for in so many situations, never to feel alone. And I think many of us as new parents, probably I felt desperately alone mm. when Tom was you know, a few weeks old and so on and struggled to even leave the house. Whereas now, you know, 17 years later, we sadly still see that. But but mm. we're trying to just sort of fill, fill those, those gaps where people don't have access to contemporary information uh, mm. and ongoing support. And then when our kids arrive, we do celebrate them. We send all our new parents gorgeous little hand-knitted hats now in our pads, stripy colours, a copy of our publication, Nobody Told Me the Truth About Down Syndrome, because Mm. that's what parents need to know, the truth, Mm. what is life going to look like. Yeah. Um, I think it, Nicola put it, she was spot on in a TED talk when Mm -hmm. she kind of put in a new image to, you spoke about it, you had an image of a, a Down Syndrome child with a bad haircut. And that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> I know we <laughs> all do these outdated you know, images. Dress terribly with a with an awful haircut, and and by putting these images out there of of mm. you know adults with Down syndrome, realise that's not the case. You know, it was quite a few yeah. years ago, mm. but they now got decent haircuts. <laughs> and I think it's this generalisation as well. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, this sort of they um, are always happy, or you know they. Uh, you know, and they may have this condition or that. Um, and I used to think, gosh, that, that makes people sound like a separate breed of dog. It, it sort of <laughs> makes, it does though. I used to think, what do you mean they? You know, I remember a doctor again saying, you know, they tend to be flat footed, I think it was. And I thought, why can't you just say Tom has flat feet? Mm. You know, just talk about him as my, my son, who he is. It just makes, People with Down syndrome feel very different and excluded, perhaps, from our society. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's, you know, and that's something we, we work really hard to try and just show that people with Down syndrome have the same mm-hmm. needs as everyone else. As you said, you know, we all need to be valued and um, right. appreciated and, yeah. Well, and I think it's it's changing the narrative that people, it's, they're, not, they're not problems to be solved or, like, problems to be fixed. Right. And, and I will go out on a limb and I mean, our our medical community, you know, so many of them are heroes, right. And they, they, they work in unconscionable, you know, conditions and, and they have to deal with so, so much human suffering. But I do tend to think it's a fairly universal that's at least maybe in Western medicine or whatever, the approach tends to be to focus on the problem. Like I've got to fix this. You know, and as opposed to I'm encountering Tom, right? And let's talk about Tom. And, and, you know, they're, they're overworked, you know, at, at least I know in the United States, you know, it's a stressed medical, uh, system, 
right? So they're, they're probably overworked and it's, you know, they're trying to do the best they can, but it does seem like, you know, there's an opportunity to change attitudes. Like you're saying, uh, kind of shift from let's fix this problem to let's talk about Tom and his quality of life. So, so yeah. let me ask you, Nicola and uh, Lara, I'm going to ask you to also chime in on this, but what have you found helps dispel some of the fears and anxieties that expectant parents might be feeling when told they're having a baby who has Down syndrome? Well, certainly for us, I think that insight into just seeing what lived life really does look like. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the lesson that I've certainly learned, and I think many others have, is is this thing that you do, you love your child no matter what. And I Mm -hmm. think we all have expectations in life, don't we? And, and um, expectant parents, you know, think that they're, you know, going to everything's going to, the pregnancy will go well, the birth will go well, and they'll be delivered, you know, this beautiful baby will arrive and everything's perfect. And actually, as soon as you think there's anything that deviates, we do kind of have this negative slant. And I think, you know, you sort of alluded to the fact about we need to look at people's abilities and not disabilities. But I think when you're an expectant or new parent, that's really difficult. I think you're overwhelmed. And I think what helps is time. And again, I think Steph mentioned it, you know, someone said to her, in a way you, you know, grieve is a a strong word to say you grieve for the baby you expected. But actually, you know, and I certainly felt I did. But Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're adjusting and you're actually going on to discover what really matters in life. Mm -hmm. And perhaps your perceptions start to shift and you start to realise is getting into the best school and going to the best university and working mm-hmm. 60-hour weeks for high salaries the best route for my child? Possibly not. You know, what what actually matters for this child and, and for me as a parent? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a huge amount. So I've digressed slightly from what you asked about what helps expecting to new parents and, and certainly what we try to provide through PADS mm-hmm. is just giving them access to what life might look like and just giving them time Mm -hmm. and a community to belong to and to know that they're not alone. I think that's another huge thing. Mm. Um, And then Lara, can you, uh, can you share from your experience, you know, what's, what might help dispel some of those uh, fears and anxieties, uh, somebody who's welcoming uh, a new baby into their family? I think, you know, with, with the technology world right now, there's always like an instant drive for us to just Google things. Mm -hmm. And it's not no, not everything you read in Google is correct. You have to be really cautious on what you read, which sites you go to, because mm-hmm. a lot of them are outdated. And I remember the time when we had Jasmine, because I didn't have the prenatal test. Mm-hmm. So we had we knew Jasmine had Down syndrome, you know, just after the birth. And as soon as I got home from the uh, hospital, the initial you know reaction was to search the internet and find out you know what I had to expect. But, you know, having read a few articles, you know, it just made me nervous of how I'm going to be able to raise a child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So I stopped. I closed the computer and I stopped reading because I don't want to continue reading anymore because it's all negative write-ups about Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I went to Amazon, purchased a few inspirational books, and that actually, you know, reading about, you know, experiences of parents and mothers about down, you know, raising a child with Down syndrome, it actually helped me. Mm. And then later on, when you know the internet was, you know, the social media was, you know, a lot better. Mm-hmm. I've joined support groups, which shows at least, you know, you see pictures from time to time of children, 
uh, you know, growing up and achievements that they've uh, they've had, and it inspires you that you know this is this is the path that we are probably going to have as we you know raise Jasmine. But it's not always the same, you know. Not everyone, not even you know, uh, my my other two kids, you know, the, the milestones are all different. So not every child is the same, mm-hmm. and it, it just helps that you're surrounded with you know loving people and you know the family. It, it also helps that your family is understanding mm-hmm. and is patient because you know as Jasmine, it takes it takes some time for Jasmine to 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 reach some of your her milestones. And my family has been very supportive. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I think that support is, has got to be vitally important, you know. And um, But just having that open heart to, like, looking at the child, you know, as a person, you know, as an individual and, and not focusing on, on the negative, you know. And, again, I think it's, it comes back to that quit treating people like their problems to be fixed, but, like, celebrate their life. Right. And every child, regardless of what condition they, they come to us in, you know, there's no guarantees or certainties like how their life is going to turn out. So, you know, every child is a gift, right? You know, and, and our experience to be able to to live with them is a gift. So and Nicola, looking at the road ahead in terms of like, you know, as a, a as a person who has Down syndrome, you know, achieves adulthood, can you speak to the capabilities, expectations, potential work opportunities for adults and older children with Down syndrome so that, you know, they're able to participate more fully as members of society? And can you dispel some of the myths that might limit how they participate? Gosh, yeah, that's quite a big one. Um, <laughs> as I mean, so Tom, as I said, is 17. So mm. um, he's just started college. Uh, mm. He went through a mainstream school. And in the UK, uh, we have a pretty dire track record, I'm afraid, around employment opportunities for people with learning disabilities, not just Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something around the nature of 6% adults with a learning disability who are actively seeking work are actually in paid employment. Mm-hmm. So for me, some of the sort of barriers for sure that sort of prevail in, in society are all, are around expectations, not just by well, obviously around it, by employers, but I think before that, even through education here in the UK, we're, we're just we've got a Down syndrome bill just going through Parliament, mm-hmm. um, which will be world leading once it becomes enacted. Um, and that will be actually sort of shining the spotlight on local authorities and, and bodies to look better, you know, to really look at the needs of people in this instance with Down syndrome or other learning disabilities. Because I think we really need to change. There needs to be a shift in sort of attitudes and mindsets, again, around what people are able to do and to raise the expectations. You know, so as Tom left school, there were no there was no choice for him where to go. It was the mm-hmm. local college or the local college. And it was um, a very generic skill builder course or the very generic skill builder course. So and yet, Tom, he wants to be a fitness coach. But there's no course that he can currently access because he didn't get certain grades so we really need to and yet you know our our children and young people are well supported financially by local authorities so he carries a pot of money with him into education but it's not being spent in my view particularly effectively you know it's he's being looked after that but there's no sort of vocational aspiration Mm. um it's much more just on these sort of generic skills 
So I think, you know, we really need to up our game around um, looking at what people can do and having higher expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I was absolutely delighted last week to receive an email. It's the first one I've ever received from a local solicitor saying, we've got a position that's come up um, that we think would suit someone with Down syndrome. Can you help? Wow. And I thought, how wonderful. They've looked at, you know, they've got um, an admin role. They think would suit someone who enjoys a sort of structured routine mm-hmm. um, outlook, and 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 that it absolutely will. And uh, you know, so I've put them in contact with some people, and I'm I'm sure that will that will that will happen. But I think a lot of it, yeah, we've got to change. You know, very bureaucratic. We mm-hmm. have, you know, ugh, there are too many barriers, and we've really just got to break down the barriers and and have a a big shake up. I mean, it's. The situation's pretty dire, so it's mm. uh, desperately needs addressing. In terms of myths and things, I think people are, it comes back to the same thing, really, as for expecting to new parents, there's a lot of fear mm-hmm. because of the stigma. So perhaps people are afraid that they might not be able to understand someone with Down syndrome. Often, mm. perhaps, you know, people with Down syndrome might have poor communication, relatively poor speech, not mm-hmm. always, um, but that might well be something that people are nervous about. And I think people don't like to feel awkward. We don't like to be put, you know, taken out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the biggest things people can do is actually meet people with Down syndrome and talk to them, you know, yeah. and find out just what they can do and what they enjoy in life and what and get to know people because then that kind of negates all the outdated, the fears that people might have and they can start to look at, do you know, this person's got these skills mm-hmm. um, and this personality and, and they can you know, really bring something to our organisation. Um, I remember it's not not the same, I know, but it's when my son was uh, in his first year at secondary, so he was about age 11, and, and we had a, a tutor group, and his tutor said to me, um, your son, you know, is a breath of fresh air in our tutor group. I said, why is that? And she said, well, there's a lad who sits on his own every day who mm. everyone ignores. He's got mental health issues, no one talks to him. She said, Tom walks in every day and says hello. And she said, after a couple of weeks, I've noticed the other students starting to question themselves. And the the lad who's ignored has started to raise his head and talk to Tom. And I thought, well, there's a skill that's gone that we don't measure, that, that we don't look at that compassion, that mm-hmm. um, the ability to include people and care for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I thought, I'll take that over a Latin GCSE any day. <laughs> Very <laughs> Um, you know, and I, I remember seeing a wonderful documentary about um, a young woman in Australia working in a care home, a young woman with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. loved to engage with people and to just chat with the um, elderly residents that other people perhaps might find a bit boring. I don't mm-hmm. know. But this woman was doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, everybody has skills um, and we need to just be a bit more creative and think outside the box more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think well that's said. really struck me and um, I've had the opportunity while well, I've been pulling together our Jacob's World Down Syndrome Day celebrations and, and a couple of members of staff with Down Syndrome, one of um, whom lives, uh, works in the, the labs, so she, she very much is data analysis, desktop mm-hmm. uh, type work. She, she wrote me a beautiful email that, that uh, brought a tear to my eye, to be honest with you, in terms of expectations, you know, I, I could never imagine to receive that kind of email so that that yeah through through my rule, rule book into the air mm. but it, what struck me is their colleagues and mm. and the the warmth and the you know the energy they bring to the to the physical workplace 
mm-hmm. that now we're in this situation of, of hybrid working. We're all looking for, for those people connections. You know, I, I go back to the office one day a week. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest to commute for me, but I do that in order to, to see people because it really makes a difference to my well-being. And if I was to turn up and I had someone that, you know, would happily come up to, to talk to me, regardless of, you know, what, what mood I'm in, whether they're, they're aware of it or not, just to you know, have a cup of tea, I think mm-hmm. that would be a, a very good skill to have in any office, to be honest with you. Mm, that's beautiful. Steph, I'm going to give you the final word here. Uh, when we were preparing for this podcast, you know, you'd mentioned kind of that you focus on the here and now. You know, so can you share share with the audience a little, you know, why why do you focus on the here and now? Like why and speak to how that's important to you on this journey? A couple of reasons really. Because I've got to focus on making the, the best of Jared's life, well, both my children's lives. So, mm. you know, if I start thinking about what what ifs mm-hmm. and and you know, when they get to twenty years time, are they gonna be able to drive? Yeah, and I'm not just talking about Jared, you know, that that that's the one thing that struck me. My husband, mm-hmm. first question he asked when we found out Jared was diagnosed with Down syndrome, he won't be able to drive. Mm. And uh, people with Down syndrome can drive mm. better than some some other people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's no point in second guessing because mm-hmm. you know things can throw up. You know, we don't know what's around the corner. And mm. That's one thing that COVID has taught us all. You definitely don't know what's around the corner. So let's not waste the energy. And yes, we do have to plan for a future. And you know, being all grown up about it, we've got to make sure that there's plans in place and financial and, and mm-hmm. care responsibilities. So, you know, that's in the back of the mind. It will never go away. Mm-hmm. But let's focus on like what, what does he need now and what does he need to get to his next milestone? Mm-hmm. That takes up a lot of energy, to be honest with you, as you know, as as a as a wider family, we've got very close grandparents that are very much part of his his day to day life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so club together, you know, we, we can we can get there quicker. Um, I'm not saying it's all rosy and, and we all agree because you know it uh, does cause confrontation sometimes. But for me, that's that's the most important of what we can achieve now, not in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, you describe as, I think, a universal family experience. It's never, you know, nothing's ever just like perfectly rosy or smooth, you know, but as long as there's love anchors it at the, at the end of the day, then, you know, you'll get through. So, well, Steph, Lara, Nicola, I really appreciate this conversation. I think it's beautiful words of advice and insights, you know, and I think it's a lesson for all of us. You know, just to always remember that when we we encounter people, every person we encounter is a gift and is an individual who is irrepeatable and should be celebrated. So uh, I really thank you so much for you know sharing all your insights with me today. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.